Hello, my name's Jack Howard, and this week on The Screen Test, we're talking all about 80s comedies, and we're joined by the chief film critic at the independent, Clarice Lockery. We have one third of the cyber nerds and the tallest man, Joachim Wynn. <laughs> and we have my better half, Mr. Dean Dobbs. Hello. Hello. I'm also Jack's son, but he doesn't bring that up. Stop telling people that. It's not true. <laughs> After 32 years, we are finally getting a sequel to Coming to America, and it's out now on Prime Video. Prepare the royal jet. We are going back to America. Oh, hell no, your majesty. The original is regarded as one of the best comedies of the 80s and kind of just ever. So I thought that we'd do an episode entirely about 80s comedies, which I am a massive fan of, especially of John Hughes. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off and The Breakfast Club and Planes, Trains and Automobiles. How do you guys feel about 80s comedies? Are you a fan? Are you not? I love like the SNL comedies. So it's kind of, I guess it's sort of starting this up, but mainly 80s Ghostbusters and Caddyshack and the Bill Murray, Chevy Chase. like Because it just felt like... They had such a chaotic energy to them, <laughs> which I think even the the sort of comedy movies of today can't really recapture because like these guys just didn't really have any rules or they were no playing by no rules. They just decided to turn up on set and be really weird and get paid millions of dollars for it. And I appreciate That's that. The dream. <laughs> it's the dream. <laughs> like I really do appreciate them just doing it and being iconic. <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I actually, um, the whole genre for 80s comedies is not my jam. But what is my jam is Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy kind of plugged me into 80s comedy. So, like, everything he did in the 80s, I loved. And that was, like, um, The Golden Child, Beverly Hills Cop, One, Coming to America. And just, I love Eddie Murphy's energy. And, like, he was just... We, there was no one like him at the time and he's just he was the guy for me so that that's that's where I'm at with 80s comedies Eddie Murphy what about you Dean are you a big fan of the genre in the 80s uh, I don't know that much about the 80s to be honest you were there no I wasn't there yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> So here's how this is going to work. You're going to tell me what your choice for your favorite 80s comedy is. And then we're going to go through a series of rounds. If you win the round, you get three points. If you lose the round, you get one point. And if you're in between, you get two points. And I also might just throw out some random points as well, depending on if I'm feeling chaotic. So let's start with Clarice. What is your pick for your favorite 80s comedy? I, yeah, I don't know. I've not done like the strategic thing and picked something super popular and I guess instantly recognizable as a comedy of the 80s. Like it doesn't have Bill Murray in it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of my favorite all time films. It is just so me on every level. And that is Heather's. The, the sort of 1988 coming off the end of all the John Hughes movies and going... Ahaha, weren't they just full of crap? Actually, here's the reality, baby. Heathers. <laughs> Joe, what's your favourite <laughs> 80s comedy? Why My favourite 80s comedy is the story of Prince Hakeem travelling to the land of America where he believes he'll find his one true queen coming to America. Dean, what have you picked? I've picked Tim Burton's movie Beetlejuice, a movie about a lovely... A lovely couple who start a new life <laughs> and then they uh, drive off a bridge. <laughs> Not on purpose, which would probably be a cool film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
So the stage is set. We have Beetlejuice versus Coming to America versus Heathers. What does everybody think about their chances here then in terms of like what's... Because you've all picked very different styles of comedy. What, what do you think in comparison to everybody else's choices? Uh, I feel all right with my choice, but Beetlejuice scares me because Dean picked it. And I just don't know what angle he's going to come at it with the, the whole Beetlejuice <laughs> thing. And Heathers, I'm not too sure about. Like, it's not really my type of movie. So I'm interested to, like, to see where we go. I think the thing with Heathers is like, it is really underrated in a way because I mean, we'll get to it. It was massively influential and it hit right at this cultural time that it, it kind of predicted a lot of stuff, both in film and in general culture and mm -hmm. life. <laughs> and, but yeah, it, it doesn't really often get that credit because I think people remember more the successes, which I, I find really weird. They remember Mean Girls and Clueless and, and people kind of don't, don't attach themselves to Heathers as much because I think it is so groundbreaking and so dark and so challenging on, on multiple levels. It was super controversial at the time because a lot of people were like, you can't joke about teen suicide and bulimia and, and all that. And I think now looking at it in through modern eyes, we go, Oh yeah, that was the stuff that people really should have been talking about at the time, but no one was. And this movie like had the goal to actually do that. So I I don't know. I I feel nervous about it, but I'm gonna do it. I I'll get what do you're it saying, for Heathers. But, but Beetlejuice has that shake, shake, shake Sonora scene. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Winona Ryder floats and she does not in my movie, so <laughs> I will give you that. <laughs> yeah, we got a Winona Ryder movies going head to head. Yeah. I mean Winona Ryder just wins on all levels i mean I'm maybe i'm pretty confident yes I'm, yeah i've only seen the movie once i only saw it yesterday <laughs> kidding. Kidding. okay so the first round is the imdb rating round which is the only round that i don't have any say in it's the people's choice so we're going to rank the films from first to last in what we think imdb scores are going to reflect so what do you think dean where do you think the films will land first to last between beetlejuice coming to america and heathers Okay, I'll start with Beetlejuice. Uh, I'm gonna say like an eight point two. Yeah, maybe. Well, do, you th do you think it's gonna be at the top? Do you think the Beetlejuice is gonna be leading the way? Hmm. Yeah. Why not? All right. Yeah. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> so Beetlejuice, and then what do you think is gonna be second? Hmm. I'm gonna say Coming to America second, and Heather's third. I think. What do we think? I think that Dean. Uh, was looking at my sheet because I've got the same order. Beetlejuice <laughs> coming to American Heathers. Do you agree, Clarice? I might mix it up and say, I think coming to America might come first because it is so lovable. Like, it's going to be hard to say bad things about it because it's just a really intensely lovable movie and kind of quite sweet on a lot of levels. There's not a lot to, like, hate about. I mean, there's a couple of jokes that haven't aged well. But I, I think... I mean, I'll maybe take a controversial stance here. I don't oh. like coming to America. Whoa. I, okay. think, I think the first 10 minutes are the best thing about it. And then when he goes to America, I think the film falls apart. And it uh. turns into Eddie Murphy and his mates doing not that good jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of what people want, though, right? <laughs> that's, that's what we needed. This is what we needed at the time. That's what oh, we I'm needed. just going to yeah. have me... 
Eddie Murphy, go on stage and pretend to be kind of like Prince and just sing a song that's bad for about <laughs> 10 minutes. No, that's too long. About two minutes. And then Jack, I'm going to leave. Stop, and Jack, that's Jack, the Jack, stop. Someone get Jack, please. <laughs> I think like, this is the thing. It had the, uh, like, the SNL... It's an SNL movie. Yeah. It had the the energy and the, all. That's what all those movies were about. Was hey, I got my mates and we're just gonna like mess around for two hours and get paid millions of dollars to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say coming to America's first, and then I think Beetlejuice and I think Heather's as much as I love it because it was so controversial at the time. Maybe people still are holding on to that. Okay. <laughs> well, let's find go. out then. Alexa. Tell me the IMDb rating for Coming to America. Coming to America has an IMDb rating of 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. That's, that's tough. That's sort of hovering around average. Do you reckon, what do we think? Heather's next. Are we, are we thinking mm. higher or lower than 7? I might get 7. higher. 0. I think like a 7.5 maybe. <laughs> All right, here we go. Only one way to find out, ladies and gents. <laughs> Come on, Heather's. <laughs> I like building this tension. Six it makes me feel like I'm on the Xbox. 6.9, 6.9. <laughs> Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Heathers. The film Heathers has an IMDb rating of 7.2 out of 10. That makes me want to throw up in my mouth. That's the skin of its teeth. Beatrice is coming in at 9.6. I can feel it. <laughs> it's going to get 13.2. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's rip the band-aid off. Alexa, tell me the IMDb rating for Beetlejuice. I can't look. Beetlejuice has an IMDb rating of 7.5 out of 10. Oh Whoa. my God. So Dean takes it. Wow. That's I, kind of low for Beetlejuice. 7.5. Yeah, that is actually, compared to what we've been talking about on this show, 7.5 is on average quite low compared to some of the films we've been talking about. Maybe the 80s, people are just harsher on it. Yeah, I mean, for a, definitely for a win, 7.5 is... 7.5 is, is low yeah. for a win, yeah. So, um, all right. So we're dishing out some points. I'm going to give, uh, obviously, three points to, to Dean for Beetlejuice. And then Heather gets two points and Coming to America gets one point. And I also, just because I'm feeling chaotic, I'm going to give Clarice an extra point for saying that she's picking her film based purely on the fact that she likes it a lot rather than trying to pick the one that she thinks will win. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate honesty on this show. I, mean, I love my movie as well. I'm just waiting <laughs> for the underdog. It's the only 80s late, comedy Joe. I watched. It's too late for that now. <laughs> so now Beetlejuice and Heathers are head to head with three points and Coming to America has got one point. The second round is cast. So let's talk about let's talk about Beetlejuice first. Let's talk about Michael Keaton and and the genius casting of him just before his Batman days. Was that just before Batman? Literally the year before he played Batman, he played Beetlejuice. Wow, it was just trousers. 1988. Is that because that's why everyone was really upset when they announced it was Batman, right? Yeah. So like, who's this know, goofy... There. I mean, I wasn't either. I've people heard on the internet. about casting. <laughs> Weren't people really mad? <laughs> I think people were really, really mad about Michael Keaton because they th thought of him as like this goofy, goofy comedian. Mm -hmm. And it was offensive to them. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, comic book <laughs> people like to get upset about everything. So I'm not... Yes, yeah. we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. So I guess they, that was just normal. I'm sorry, I don't know why I brought it up. <laughs> that was just a normal thing that happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a strange one because when I rewatched it, Michael Keaton's only in the movie for about, I don't know, 15 minutes, probably. Yeah, all in all, probably not more than 20. Yeah, and you know the you know the phrase where people say an actor's sort of chewing the scenery, 
which, you know, definitely applies to Michael Keaton playing Beetlejuice. But I feel like when uh, Gina Davis and Ali Baldwin share a scene with him, they're like chewing on him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they suddenly, they suddenly like act just a little bit different. Like there's almost this element of like, oh, come on, this is supposed to be my movie. <laughs> like I'm the main character. I know you're the title, but like, come on. <laughs> I love the moment. Like it's just watching him just plow through the scene and that moment it's very almost Jim Carrey before Jim Carrey when he opens his jacket spits in it and then goes save that for later <laughs> <laughs> I love it obviously we have Winona Ryder which is always you know that's good value for money when you watch it so you're like oh because I, I totally forgot she was in it um, so the original goth girl the original goth uh, girl I modelled my entire personality on her so <laughs> You, you don't say. Please, please stop saying really? stuff like this. Dean <laughs> might get um, Dean might get extra points. I'm sorry. I just really love Beetlejuice, and I feel like I should have picked it. <laughs> Help Dean out. Let's talk about the casting of Beetlejuice. Me? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, why? I mean, this. Wait. Why am I fighting your corner? I will you, say you was, did this to yourself. It was Winona Ryder's like big breakout role. But then she kind of surpassed it in Heather's, so. Oh, nice. A little go. save for yourself there. Yeah, so <laughs> you don't get to have Winona. She's mine. Yeah, I felt that dark go in. I was like, ah, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was on top of the world for a second. <laughs> she, and also Heather's is the film she's like the most proud of. So she's on, she's on. Sure. No, no, I heard the opposite. Don't I let me pay, take <laughs> points away. I'll no, do it. No, genuinely. No, I like, I read this in an article, like researching for this. <laughs> that it was her favorite one and she's been pitching a Heather's sequel for years and they keep being like sure Winona <laughs> we'll do it yeah we'll do a sequel I absolutely love Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis in this movie they are the sweetest couple maybe in, in any movie they I just I just adore them you constantly feel sorry for them which is you know I can't make I can't say there's many characters who I've actively felt sorry for because usually that's not fun to watch but because they're so sweet um, you you do feel for them in all of these you know all these ridiculous situations that they're thrown into. You're just like bless them, like they have a book. They've got to read a manual to figure out what's happening around them. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't get a manual for like when you're alive anyway. So like <laughs> the fact that you die and you go oh by the way this is actually harder to figure out. Yeah. Like I'm sort of going you poor poor kids. I think they do a really really good job of just being sympathetic. Coming to you now, Joe. Uh, the cast of my um, movie, uh, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, John Amos, Eric LaSalle. Yes, yes, Mufasa himself. I mean, he Vader. is just the daddy of Hollywood, isn't he? Yes, he King is. King daddy. Yes, oh, <laughs> please say that again. I'll say it closer <laughs> to the mic as well. King daddy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Add a little cameo with, with Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, I love this cast because it's a... It's a African-American complete cast in the 80s where you wouldn't really see something like this. And it's a big budget movie. And I feel like the last time they did that, well, the next time they did that was like 30 years later with Black Panther. So I feel like Eddie Murphy and this cast was setting the tone way ahead of the time and disguising it in comedy around a funny story about uh, African Prince moving to New York. Um, I love that Eddie Murphy plays multiple characters in this movie. Like the barbershop scenes are some of my funniest scenes. We'll talk about it later. But just the diversity that he shows as a comedian. And I feel like 
to your point earlier, Jack, when you was like, it's him and his friends say, doing bad comedy. I just feel like because <laughs> of how good Eddie Murphy is, when you see him in this, you may be like, oh, I know you can do better. Like you're just holding him to his own standard. Sure. And I feel like that's what that it's is. It's also like I've, I've, I've had years and years and years and years now of Eddie Murphy being like, you know, I've seen trailers after trailers of Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy and, and? Eddie Murphy. And I, was, <laughs> and I just watched Coming to America being like, I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a great cast, and it's got James Earl Jones. So I mean, no matter James what Earl happens, Jones, I want a bonus point. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. Bonus point for James Earl Jones, specifically <laughs> because of the line when he's like, "I thought you had sex with your bathers." I know I, I do. do. <laughs> <laughs> with a huge grin Yo, on his face. Yeah. I also feel like coming to America, Eddie Char Eddie Murphy is so charming in it. Like he he's he's really likable. Yeah. Like at the beginning he it could it could come across like he's like a spoiled brat kid, but he plays it like so nice. Like such a sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> and and I I don't know if he often got to do that in roles that much, you know, cuz comedy is always about the abrasiveness and I I love that he got the chance just to kind of play the romantic lead in something cuz I I sort of see it coming to America as a rom-com as much as it is a comedy cuz the love story is really sweet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I really <laughs> I really love like that chemistry uh so anyway, i'm sorry i'm <laughs> i just love all these movies and i feel like i'm not doing myself any service heathers <laughs> uh so i think winona Ryder. we're gonna say this is her movie right as i said before it's it's her most iconic role it's the one that she always felt the most connected to her agents were begging her winona don't do it it's gonna ruin your career no one will ever give you work again and she said I'll do this movie for free. Like, I am doing this movie. Did, <laughs> she, do it? Did she actually do it for free? No, but oh. she said she would do it. <laughs> and then she's like, JK, I'm kidding. Please pay me. <laughs> um, but she really, really fought for it. And, and I think watching it, you instantly get why, because it completely shaped who Winona Ryder was culturally as like an actor, as a sort of a 90s, icon i mean this was really really at the tail end of the 80s going into the 90s this this sort of um i think of her and keanu reeves as having this very very special early 90s energy of like we're really really cool and a bit aloof but we're also really nice <laughs> and kind and we'll be sweet to you but also and we read a lot of books it was this very, very special energy that only sort of existed with the actors of the early 90s and then disappeared again. And I think that's so perfectly captured in Veronica Sawyer because it's she has this combination of like, I just want everyone at my school to get along because she's, she's just tired. She's like tired. And I think we could all relate to that mood that she has in the movie of like, I'm just tired of the of why is everyone being so mean to each other? And she asked that to uh, Heather Duke. And she says, like, why are you being such a mega bitch? And she says, because I can't. And that's like, <laughs> that is like the line of Heather's. It's like these these girls are just being awful because they can and the boys are being awful because they can. And, and I think Renona Ryder having that slight aloofness to her, it's like, oh, that really sells the character because she's she's slightly withdrawn from it and she can see it for what it is, but also she has that kindness to her so you can feel the frustration of like, I just... <laughs> and so you sort of believe the murdering because you're like, <laughs> you know, oh, she just really wants like the bullies to go away. Um, if that means that they die, <laughs> 
well, maybe. <laughs> what about Christian Slater yeah, and his I was impression go. of Jack Nicholson? Yes. Like, it is an impression of Jack Nicholson, and he's been really upfront about that because he just really loved Jack Nicholson at the time. <laughs> it's also like, like, yeah, fair enough. Like, I get why you would choose to do that for that role. Yeah, because it feels like the kind of role that Jack Nicholson would have played at some point in his career. This, like dangerously charismatic and he again sort of it's again that idea of like he's kind of the outsider he sees it from a distance and that's what's really attractive to her he's got that those christian slater eyebrows where it's like you know they're like always like this <laughs> and he's like hey <laughs> greetings and salutations and then and he licks his lips after basically every line yeah and it's like it's just such a, a mood and i i think like his <laughs> yeah, his that, dean's doing a good impression <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's basically that. I'd watch that. And on, I, honestly, I think Christian Slater's performance in Heather's has like influenced so many of the like bad boys of TV and film history. That sort of seductiveness of like, I'm really cool and an outsider, and then like three days later, you go, Oh no, they're actually like a Dangerous. murderer. <laughs> He's a serial killer. Oh no. And like you could think of so many like teenage boys from pop culture that are that character. Like Evan mm. Peters' character from American Horror Story is just that. You think he's like the really cool outsider and you're like, oh no, he's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> so I and and I think there is that like Christian Slade is really good at bringing that energy of like you're not you're not quite sure about him the whole way through that movie. Right until I guess the murdering. <laughs> but yeah. even when during the first murder, and even you're the like, first murder, you're like, maybe it's just the one murder. Because oh. the first murder is kind of an accident. So, so are we going to say Christian Slater inspired all of that, like all of that, when like no one saw this movie? Ooh. Well, people like. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, what I've there. noticed, just because I don't want to spend too much longer speaking about cast, is that all three of these movies have got early performances from people who went on to have very, very successful careers. So you've got uh, Winona Ryder, obviously him, both Beetlejuice and Heathers, but then you've got Michael Keaton just before he exploded into Batman. And then you've got Eddie Murphy, who obviously went on to keep on playing multiple roles in movies <laughs> <laughs> as Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy but yeah which 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 one of these films do you think can be credited to the explosion of uh the these these actors into their into the next part of their career I think well yeah I think for Winona Ryder it's it's interesting because her agent was so worried about it because she went from that to do like Age of Innocence and Dracula and roles that are actually really different from Heather's. Was so Heather's just directly after Beetlejuice? I, I think it was, yeah. yeah because the, the, screenwriter, the screenwriter of Beetlejuice gave her the script for Heather's and that's how that happened. That's how she got that role. Um, so it was really, and and they were worried. This is this is me. Like they were worried at first because they were like, "Oh, Winona Ryder's not pretty enough to play this role." So she had to go to a mall to get a makeover and come back and be like, "The eighties, everybody." It's so ridiculous. It's like it's Winona Ryder. What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. But yeah. So I I think like it's it's not so much. It's sort of it's more about her image outside of film because outside of film she was like the cool it girl for so much of the nineties. Reality bites, I guess, is the thing that comes directly out of Heather's. 
I, I think that Eddie Murphy, obviously because he had a stand-up career prior to going into film, that he like people were aware of him and they knew what he was doing. But I feel like coming to America is when he really like transcended just outside of America. Like obviously the film starts in um I've lost where are we at? The fictional place, not Wakanda, that's Black Panther. Zamunda. Zamunda. Oh my. Do you know how many points I just lost for that? Nah. But yeah. Um, so it they starts in... I think they reference Wakanda in Coming to America into, I've seen that in the trailer. Yeah. It's actually hilarious. Coming to yeah. America. So I feel like him doing that where it is so basically like cultured basically in Africa and stuff like that, I felt like it reached a whole bunch of different people. And it was like, I think up to that point, the most he's grossed in a movie at the box office. Um, and then he went on to do, obviously do Harlem Nights and I was 48 hours. Boomerang, yeah, fair, I mean, I think, I guess then. before um, coming to America, he had done Beverly Hills Cop 1 two, and one 2. 1 and 2, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Trading Places as well. Yeah, so he, it's not like that was the thing that launched his career. All right, well, I mean, all, just being honest, all the cast are incredible in all of these movies, like for their own reasons. Um, I'm just going to go with what I personally feel. Uh, I'm going to give three points to Beetlejuice. You can't, you can't beat Michael Keaton. You just can't. You can, you're just not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> He's in 15 minutes. We established this point. I'm going to... Yeah. 15 minutes. Oh, I'm, I'm breaking the rules. I'm going to give two points each to Heathers and Coming to America. It wouldn't be fair. You gave me a bonus point as well, so I'll take all three. Thank all you. All right, there we go. We've got three <laughs> points. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. Of no, that. I wasn't going to forget. So right now in the lead is Beetlejuice with six points, followed by Heathers with five points and Coming to America with four points. So number three, the memorable moment. Is there a scene, something that stands out in your movie that you think is, is, is like something you'd go back to individually, just on its own? Is there something like that, for example, in Beetlejuice, Dean? Uh, the scene that I always go back to, or at least the one that always stuck with me, is when uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin's uh, characters go to the waiting room yep. in the underworld. It's the scene because it's it basically sells the entire idea of that world in one moment. Like you know what I mean? Like it just you see, you know, there's a there's a shrunken head man. Um, there's a the torso in the legs. The torso in the legs, I believe. Someone has been eaten by a shark, and the <laughs> shark is still with them, I believe. <laughs> I, there must be things in there that I just haven't noticed. And also there's the cigarette man. And I, I can't figure out to this day, and this is kind of the beauty of it, is that even though you can see how they died, you don't really have the full picture. So cigarette man, he offers, <laughs> he offers Alec Baldwin yeah. a cigarette. And to this day, I still can't figure out if it's the cigarettes that killed them or if, if it was a fire. I can't figure it out. <laughs> the line is so funny, though. Yeah, I'm was, trying to cut down, too. I'm trying to cut down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have picked that. You could have picked Shake Sonora, like the, 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 the dining room scene when they all get possessed. And speaking of actually the waiting room where you can see how everybody died, I think that Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin got off pretty light with how they look, the fact that they died in a car crash. Yeah, because they, they, you they know, just they fell nice. into some water because they would have drowned. So right. Oh, and I have never, I don't know what that looks like because, um, you know, I'm not a weirdo. I haven't Googled that. So <laughs> um, may, maybe they did. Maybe they did Google it in the 80s and were like, we can't do that. Clarice, Alec Baldwin's not going to, he's not going to do that. It's too much work. Clarice, what's your, uh, what's your pick for memorable scene from oh. Heather's? 
there's two. There's, I feel like there's two super memorable scenes. Well, I'm just trying to guess which one is going to be the one you're thinking of. Interesting. <laughs> so the lunchroom, the lunchtime poll is really famous because it has mm. all the famous lines, but I feel like I want to save that for later. <laughs> you can talk about whatever, whenever you want. But the one that's really memorable to me, partially because it was my Halloween costume one year, is the very, very end of her, like, on the school steps and JD goes off screen and you don't see it and and the bomb explodes and she's standing there. She puts a cigarette in her mouth. The explosion goes off. (laughs) The smoke clears. She's covered in ash and the cigarette is lit. I think that's like so dark. It's so dark, but also really cool at the same time. And it's also such a big character moment for her because it's her being like, I'm over it. (laughs) And I really relate to that feeling of like, I am done with the Heathers. I'm done with this, this school hierarchy. And the whole thing with Heathers is that, and JD points this out, is that the school is society. So I think when we're talking about like the school dynamics in this movie, it's about a lot more than that. And that's why like I, as a 30 year old woman can still really, really relate to Heather's because that sort of pettiness and the meanness, it's, it still resonates on, on all levels. As in, Bowling in all for parts Soup of said, society. high yeah. school never ends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they knew they'd watch Heather's, they're fans. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, I think that's such a perfect like sort of, perversely empowering image just her on the steps with the lit cigarette and um, she just looks awful because then she goes inside in the heathers um like uh you look like hell she's i just got back and she grabs the scrunchie and it's just like and i think the fact that it's winona Ryder doing it and you just always love winona Ryder and cheer for her and think she's the coolest person in the world so her doing that is just like it's one of those teen movies as well a modern example (laughs) and i say a modern example although it's over 10 years old now is like Juno sort of invented its own language and Heathers was sort of one of the first films to have a teen movie where it invented its own language and to have an actor like Winona Ryder say those types of lines and make them sound like they're normal things that she would just say is a very it's like watching uh, Ian McKellen do Lord of the Rings dialogue and making it just work (laughs) it's like she just does that effortlessly for teen language (laughs) yeah because i think it goes back to the idea that she really really believed in this project and it resonated with her on some strange level that we may never know and and she yeah she just put her her all into it and i think that it maybe is a big reason of why heather's works so well maybe it wouldn't have worked so well without her i should have said that earlier in the (laughs) (laughs) the cast bit yeah too late. The time to say it. Oh Joe, well. what's your memorable moment from coming for, coming to America? Uh, for coming to America, it's a collection of the scene. It's every barbershop scene smashed together. Because if you've ever been into a barbershop, that's what it's like. And I love that Eddie Murphy in these scenes plays five different people who have five different perspectives and the running conversation of who's the greatest boxer throughout the whole movie. I just, I just, a bit when he's like, I, I don't care, I'm calling him Cassius Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, what did his mama call him? I'm calling him that. I'm calling him Clay. And I was just like, like it's, it's just so good, the back and forth banter. And if you walk into any barbershop, like, and it's such a cultural thing for us as well, because it's like, anytime I go to the barbershop, that's always the, the conversation like, 
like, what did you talk about today in the barbershop? It's always something going on, whether it's a movie, politics or something. So I love how they just encompassed that and made it a running thing throughout the movie. Yeah, it's it's. I, I will admit that like I'm, I was being hard on it earlier, but there are it's, moments. It's okay, Jack. <laughs> there are moments like where it's like full on unfiltered Eddie Murphy yeah. just going crazy, and you can tell they just put the camera on him and let him go, and it and it it does stick in your mind. Like, and I love the fact that in coming to America, they're still alive yeah, and they don't really going. look any different. <laughs> <laughs> they're two hundred years old. It's like Yoda. <laughs> All right, so let's go over the uh, the scenes that you picked again. So Dean picked the waiting room. Clarice, you picked uh, the very end scene when she lights a cigarette and steals the uh, the red ribbon. And uh, Joe, you're picking the barbershop scenes. Again, like they're all good scenes. Like it's, it's not fair to just be giving out points. This is my least favorite part of the show, although I like the power. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm going to give... I'm going to give three points to Beetlejuice and I'm going to give, I'm going to give two points each again to um, coming to America and to Heather's because I, I just don't think there should be a loser in this situation, although no, maybe there's I'm two people losing. Denying right the inevitable. Well, yeah, fair enough, Dean. Yeah, you <laughs> Thanks, just made Dean. It Let him know. More successful for yourself. Let him know. So Beetlejuice is on nine points. Heather's is on seven points and coming to America is on six points. Okay. The next round is craft, and this is the section where we can talk about the creation of the film in other aspects, so like the writing, the directing, the cinematography, the production design, anything about it that you think stands out, this is where we can talk about that. Going to come to Joe first. All right, I'm going to go with uh, production design. I feel like when we start in Zumunda, everything is just perfect. When we're talking about the music, the costumes, like they... They make that world look so beautiful, so authentic, and you just believe it from from the jump. And I feel like even though we leave Zamunda after the first 10 minutes, his attire continues to go through. And even when he starts changing clothes and he wants to look like more of the common man in um, in New York, Semi, his... Uh, I don't know, his, his chaperone continues continues to keep the fashion, keep the culture throughout in it. And when we return, we go back to it. And I just feel like they 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 must have done so much research and looked into it and they made like authentic pieces and the music goes throughout the movie as well that I loved. So I thought like the the fashion in the movie was just amazing. Like it's gangster. And you see it in movies now. Like when I, I'm going to talk about Black Panther, when you look at Black Panther, they try to do a very similar thing. And I feel like even in coming to America, they pull it off even better than they do in uh, Black Panther. And I just thought that that was, that was just great. It's ahead there's, of there's his time. There's something about this, the style of it where it feels like it's inspired by a certain culture, but still it's, it knows it's, it's a fictional thing. place. So yeah. it's kind of going into another, uh, you know, an entirely unique fictional fashion realm yeah when they're having the um the scene where the white uh the potential wife or the fiance is coming through and you've got the dancing and the music like it just gives me tingles when i watch it because i'm just like oh this is so gangster like, i just love it and yeah. you're not gonna see you wasn't gonna see or you just can't see that anywhere else at that time in film 
Uh, and I was just, I, I appreciate Eddie Murphy for bringing that to the screens. Like to get to see that as like a as a young black boy, it was just amazing. So I love, I, I love all that beginning stuff with him being followed around with the petals. The petals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> the bit when he wants to go and speak to his dad down the other end of the table, and he's like, quick, <laughs> and just follow him really quickly with all the petals. It's like I think they have a perfect combination there of trying to do something authentic, but then also going that extra mile just to know this is a comedy and we're going to just take this a bit further so you can see why it would seem idyllic, but also annoying at the same time. Like in that opening scene, there's the one where he's like, do you think maybe I could wipe my own ass today? And he's like, don't be ridiculous. I I think (laughs) even when he comes to New York and lots of that stuff gets left behind, they do that on purpose so yeah, you can see the world, yeah, the world he's come from and what he's trying to be a part of to find a wife or what he feels that he needs to be complete as a person. And I feel like it, I, I feel like they pull it off perfectly. Like when his dad lands in uh, New York and it's like the cars pull up and then the bros petals start coming back out, it starts building up that whole, oh, they're here. Like you, you already know that they've brought that, um, that swag and and just that fashion and that culture to New York and now it's, it's seen as a drama as that part in the movie. Dean, Beetlejuice was Tim Burton's second film. So this is before Tim Burton as a style was even established. So, I mean, what, what do we think about the, the craft in Beetlejuice? It's a hard one. Um, it's hard to focus on any one thing because, yeah, I, I, I didn't know it was his second movie because when I watched it, it felt like all the, you know, all the tropes and trimmings of a Tim Burton movie are already there. It, so it feels like he's a sort of like he's, he's, he's a veteran of it. Like he's, he knows yeah. exactly what he's doing. Yeah, he loves his stripes, doesn't yeah. he? He puts stripes <laughs> on everything. Stripe. Uh, one thing I love, once again, it's going back to that, uh, that waiting room scene, but there's a lot of environmental storytelling sort of going on. Um, I always think about that... Uh, the guy has been flattened by a car and he's on a rail. And when I was watching it, it's another one of those things that kind of going, okay, so there's this paper thin man on a rail. He's going around the office. I was like, but does that, does that work for everywhere? And before you know it, you've cut and he's going through this little hole in the wall. <laughs> and I was like, you didn't need, you did not need to do that. He could have just left. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that they went that far, I don't know if that was in the script. I don't know if that was just an idea. Maybe they had during production. But it just adds another layer to the world that you've been given an answer for, but gives you a thousand more questions on mm-hmm. top of it. And and it's physical. You can yeah. really tell they're doing it. And that's that's a charm that you can't it's an, it's it's invaluable, like to be able to see that like they really built that, <laughs> spent time on it, and then they filmed it. Yeah, exactly. And do you remember the the scene where uh they ask Beetlejuice, I think it's when he first meets the uh, the couple, they're like, how do we know you're scary enough? And he goes, huh, and turns away from the camera and his face sort of explodes. <laughs> like, you, that's the only way I could describe it. He cuts it. to him going, do you like it? Yeah, do you like it? <laughs> <laughs> I did it as a kid. That bit scared, scared the crap out of me. Um, but yeah, once again, that. I don't know how they did that. I don't know. I don't know if Michael Keaton actually blew his face yeah, up. Yeah, maybe you can do that. Who knows? I mean, if you can, he needs to do it in more than one movie. I feel like you should probably bring that. I don't, don't ever use it. No, Batman does it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you like it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, the creature design, like even even the bit when they like stretch, his, he stretches knows. his face and she, yeah. I don't know what she, what does she do to hers? Her yeah. 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 And I'll, then her eyes are in her mouth. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I always remember uh, she's she's hung herself in a closet mm-hmm. and she tears her face off, uh, her eyes pop out at her teeth, and she just screams. Yeah. And like, once again, I don't know how they made any of that happen. Like, can we bring on faceless Gina Davis, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah? All right. <laughs> what do you mean she's busy? And also Danny Elfman, obviously. You know, where his soundtrack feels like it wants to escape the movie. That's like every single Daddy Elfman soundtrack. Yeah, I forgot as well, after rewatching it for this, I forgot how much the Danny Elfman score sticks in your mind. And it's like, it like opens up going over the, the town with his score. Like, it feels like a circus or something. And it's, it starts and it just feels like the movie wants you to have a good time. Yeah, it's it like, feels like there's a march. It's almost yeah. sort of like, you know, as the, the shot's tracking over this town, you're almost like something's coming for this uh, for this place. And then we get that little idyllic house that I think is a miniature. It is a miniature, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the spider crawls over the top of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's cool because it, it's like it, it's one of those things, again, where they, they combined like a real shot over the top of a town and then it like morphs into a miniature. And then the, when the spider crawls over the top, it's just this strange surreal kind of like breaking where you, you're not quite sure what you're looking at. Yeah, that was Michael Keaton. He played the spider. Did he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, wow. Not many people know that. Um, he Please told me. Please don't give him a bonus point. I'm going to give Dean a bonus point <laughs> no. for that, that nice bit of trivia there. There you go, IMDb. The you got that? that? <laughs> Michael Keaton also played the tarantula at the start. I didn't know we were allowed to just make stuff up. <laughs> Dean is allowed to do that because he's Dean. Okay, Chris, <laughs> yeah, okay, how do you compete? With uh, with Michael Keaton playing a tarantula. Well, fuck me gently with a chainsaw. Do I look like Mother <laughs> Teresa? Whoa. <laughs> uh, with, in other words, just I think the script of Heather's is the most perfect script. And you kind of mentioned this before. It did invent its own language. And I think it is the first teen movie to really do that. I know that mm-hmm. is kind of commonplace now. Mean Girls did it with, with Fetch. I mean, that was just a real ripoff of Heather's, but whatever. (laughs) And and the screenwriter, Daniel Waters, made this really big point that he said he didn't want it to be like, he didn't want to use actual teen slang because he wanted to to have this sort of surreal, timeless quality, which I think is why you can watch it now. And it, it doesn't, I mean, the costumes are ultra 80s with the giant, giant shoulder pads, but I think... That how they act and how they interact with each other doesn't, it doesn't really feel like it has to exist in that time, which I think is why, and we'll get to this later, I think it's why like a lot of shows now can, can sort of reference that stuff and pick up on the language and pick up on the vibe. Um, things like Riverdale or Scream Queens, like a lot of teen shows today can sort of do a Heathers <laughs> and it doesn't really seem out of place because the script is just... It is so complete and it's such its own thing that, and the lines are so iconic, like what's your damage and how very, and and all this stuff that has, it's again this idea of stuff just like seeping out the movie and just going into culture. And I'm sure there's people who have never seen Heathers who are going around saying how very, because they like saw it referenced on some other TV show and they have no idea where it comes from, but they're still using the word. And my, my, my favorite fact about this is that Daniel Waters, who was 23 when he wrote the screenplay wow. for Heathers, yeah. <laughs> Hate Maybe him. feel inadequate now. <laughs> I know. Hate him and love him at the same time. <laughs> His idea for Heathers was that he loved Stanley Kubrick and he was like, we've seen Stanley Kubrick do sci-fi. We've seen Stanley Kubrick do horror. 
what would a Stanley Kubrick teen movie be? And he wrote this, like, in, I think it was, like, it was a really long script that would have been, like, four hours or something. He wrote this, like, opus <laughs> that was the original Heather screenplay. And then he actually wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct it. Like, he tried to make that happen. Obviously, it didn't, because as much as I love Heather's, I can't imagine Stanley Kubrick being like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'll do a movie where I'll someone says, fuck me gently film. with a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally my thing. But I love the boldness of that to be like, I'm going to make the Stanley Kubrick teen comedy. <laughs> and I think it's that ambition and the fact that in interviews, he's always like, I had no idea what I was doing. Like, I didn't know how to structure a screenplay. I had no idea what I was meant to do. I think that that weird veil of innocence is what makes that screenplay just absolutely perfect on every level because it sort of doesn't work how it should work as a teen comedy. And yet it does. And it's the thing, it's the movie I quote the most out of everything because this is sort of damage? This is sort of blurring into legacy a little bit or, or, or cultural impact. Uh, but since you've been talking about the language, I read that it is the most referenced movie in the Oxford English Dictionary. I actually didn't know that. <laughs> it is because of the <laughs> amount of stuff that made it into popular vernacular. It is the most referenced the most cited movie in the Oxford English Dictionary. I think that's the thing because so many of the lines are really, really. I think there's probably some iconic. that we don't even uh, we're not even aware started with Heather's probably. Yeah, greetings and salutations. I love our love is God. Let's go get a slushy. <laughs> I just kill my best friend and my worst en- and your worst enemy. Same difference. Great. <laughs> like every it's, it's so quotable more than just any other movie to me. And because it has that edge, I think it it's a little bit more than just like Clueless. And I mean, I love Clueless and Mean Girls, but it's just got it's got that little edge to it, which just makes it so chef's kiss. Chef's Perfect. kiss. All right. I'm going to I'm not going to cheat this time. I'm going to just do the, the game properly, but I don't really like picking on people. So I'm just going <laughs> to do it quickly. <laughs> Okay, Beetlejuice gets three points. Heather's gets two points. And coming to America gets one point. Uh, How very. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Have it, no one's saying that. I'm just that. I've not heard it. Never. <laughs> Ever. I think, okay, Dean, didn't like, you get a bonus point for coming up with the, the very real trivia that Michael Keaton... What's this bit about it being fake? I thought he was getting a point taken away for that. Is that what we said? For deception. I, I thought it was an extra point. I think like Michael was. Keaton called me up and told me that trench. He FaceTimed you, actually. I think you told me. Uh, well, Winona Ryder played all the croquet balls, so. <laughs> oh, that is quite good, but she probably Eddie learned Murphy that actually from played Michael. five characters in my movie. Like, he actually did. No, but he actually did that. Yeah, did he play? Listen, where's the ball? I'm going to take points away from you, Joe, if you carry on. Okay. And that made me feel but You can have one of my points if you want. Thank you. I will oh, take okay. it. Dina, are, you t- are you giving away a point? I'll get, I'll, yeah, Clarissa, you can have a are you point. giving one up as well, yeah? No. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, since Dean's given away a point, the, it now currently stands that Beetlejuice has 12 points. Coming to America has eight points and Heather's has nine points. <gasps> I did that in a very random order, but Beetlejuice, Heather's coming to America. That's the order. Okay. And now it's time for the final round, which is cultural impact. So how does your film stand the test of time? Has it influenced many things in the future? Is there, is there a quote in it that, that people say over and over again? Has it made it into the Oxford <laughs> in English <laughs> I Dictionary? I spoiled mine. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I, I gave you yours. It. You didn't even know it. I, um, I know. So yeah, Clarice, we'll start with you. 
Well, I, everything we said about the carry the lines that over, copy and paste to this. Being, but I think my real argument for this is what's so interesting about Heather's is that it basically predicted the '90s because we were coming off like the '80s, the Reaganomics, the hypercapitalism, always optimistic. And the thing with the John Hughes movies is that they were they were real about teen life and they wanted to talk about the issues and get kind of like down Feelings. and low with what how hard it is to be a teenager my dad doesn't understand but me. then it's always happy at the end and you know he's on the field going yeah i kissed the hot girl and like <laughs> it, it had this sort of like well if we just work together then everything will be fine and heather's went no, no, no. As like JD says, like the only way that all of these social classes are actually going to get along is in heaven, which is a dark thing to say. But I think, like society needed that it like really, really extra heavy level of darkness and cynicism to sort of confront everything that was happening in the eighties, and then in the nineties you get grunge and you get Nirvana and you get like all these like super cynical like generation X like life sucks man like that whole vibe running through the the 90s which like I'm definitely not saying that Heather's created it but it's so weird how it existed sort of right before that happened and in a way predicted that all this stuff was going to come along and like even on a on a really like quite dark level, the the school violence element of Heather's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people talk about it now. You could never make Heather's again. They tried to make a TV show. It got cancelled multiple times because they just school shootings kept happening. And Literally, they, the they realized of one of the characters is just he gets a gun out and fires a black. Exactly, which in 1988 was more of a fantastical it was more like idea. Yeah. Yeah, like that's As the it thing. Should be. <laughs> a lot of people watch Heather's down, they go, Well it's so dark, it's so inappropriate, you can't show that. It's like, yeah, but you have to realise like at the time, this was not something that people thought of as an everyday and that's the sort of really dark but really important cultural impact of Heather's is that it saw all of that coming it knew that like somehow and obviously they weren't conscious of this they knew somehow that that violence in schools was going to become this huge huge part of culture and it somehow predicted that and was really upfront about it and it was upfront about the darkness of 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 teenagers and what they were handling and uh, there's a lot of stuff that's covered in it there's like bulimia sexual assault uh suicide and i think yes there's an argument to be made that you couldn't make it today because it, it's sort of quite cynical and flippant about that stuff. But if you're thinking about the context of this was being made in 1988 when we'd had John, John Hughes movies like Sparkly, Everything's Great, We're All Friends <laughs> for like a decade, for a movie to be like, hold up, this is the reality. And I think that just completely like altered the course of teen movies forever and mm -hmm. Like, both in terms of, of the ones that are quite dark today, but also, I think, the the cynicism and the sort of looking at it at being like, well, everything isn't just, like, sparkly and great all the time. And, and even Mean Girls, which I think owes so much to Heather's, but is also, like, really different totally because it is way more fun and nothing really bad happens mm -hmm. in Mean Girls. But I think just the attitude of, like... Uh, the way that in Mean Girls, Lindsay Lohan is like, this place is like literally a jungle and it's like a complete power struggle all the time. Like that's from Heather's. That's from Heather's yeah. recognizing that high school. And even Heather's feels a little bit like um, 
the moment that Lindsay Lohan decides to sit with the plastics, yeah, it feels like that's where Heather's starts. It feels like she's already infiltrated them, and like it feels a little bit weird. Veronica doesn't even feel like she should be with the Heather. Heather, she already feels like she's apart from them. Yeah, because like there's sort of a, a like, like a she's preamble. trying to fit in in a place that she doesn't quite belong. Yeah, there's um. It's really weird. There's a musical that came out of Heather's. Like, yeah, yeah. Years Our ago. friend Carrie Fletcher was was in it playing oh, Veronica, yeah. <laughs> and she did a really good job. <laughs> good. Um, but yeah, like that that is really interesting. The musical kind of gives the preamble of how Veronica got into the Heather's, and it was basically the same thing as Mean Girls because it's the only way that it would work is that the Heather's turned around one day. And we're like, oh, yeah, you could be cute if we gave you this ridiculous makeover. And then she comes out with the shoulder pads and it's like, Veronica, <laughs> you come. That's the, that's the thing in the movie that doesn't make it timeless is the shoulder pads. <laughs> hey, I still love to rock a shoulder pad. And Nothing wrong with it. And I'm in 2021. It's just very 80s. It's very 80s, but also I... The thing is, it's so 80s that it's almost, like, timeless because it's just, like, the shoulder pads will always be the shoulder pads and they won't age in a way because they are just, like, that's the 80s. All right, Joe, what's the cultural impact of coming to America? I think, firstly, the cultural impact is that they made a sequel. Coming to America is on Amazon Prime video right now. <laughs> I'll take my bonus point. Thank you. Um, Why is Amazon? They've automatically given you a point. Thank you. This is ridiculous. Thank you, higher powers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, I feel like Coming to America is kind of a timeless film. Um, it does have a cult following because I feel like it did so much for like black culture and fashion and even music. The line, the royal penis is clean, has made it onto so many rap songs <laughs> that, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's there. If we, if we was keeping track of like what what line went into went into music i feel like it's going to be up there um i I feel like eddie murphy does a great performance and his performance in it is what makes us want to revisit it now and i feel like even the way the story has been continued where it's like he's back he had a child 30 years ago and now we've got one now i feel like that's something that is very prevalent in the black culture so there's there. It's a topic that they're touching on, um, but yeah, I feel like it's it's tough to argue on a on the on the wide scale of like what it did for everything. But the fashion that they have in coming to America, we're still wearing today, um, and of the three movies, it it successfully got a sequel that's out. Well, it, it, another thing as well is that like like it or not, it, it, Eddie Murphy was then able to go and make other movies where he played multiple characters at once. Like it sort of was the, the, the starting point for him doing that, I think. Eddie Murphy, you know, what I'm saying, transcended what he was doing and he took it to the next level with coming to America. And I love it. I feel like it's a movie that me and all of my friends always think about if we're talking about comedies. Like coming to America is the top of the list still today. Mm-hmm. That's true. I can't. I mean, this is it. My personal opinions aside, I can't deny that it is one of the cornerstones of American comedy. It, it did change the game. But a film that still doesn't have a sequel is Beetlejuice. So, what's the cultural impact of Beetlejuice, Dean Dobbs? Yeah, I have no idea how I'm supposed to follow that. Um, I'm like, yeah, yeah, coming to America is very valuable, and so is Heather's. Uh, I guess Tim Burton put stripes on things. Still, yeah, I was trying to figure some sort of so, like sort of social message behind Beetlejuice. The closest thing is that you can have. Two dads and two mums, because you know there's the ones that are alive. Yeah, the ones yeah, that yeah. Aren't. 
I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it's hard with Beetlejuice because obviously that was the beginning of Tim Burton's journey. Even though once again it feels like Tim Burton already sort of made up his mind on what exactly what he wants to do <laughs> with that movie. Uh, and then he did it again with Edward Scissorhands. It's like a slightly different version of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Beetlejuice had an animated show. That's pretty cool. There we go. It did. That pretty show sweet. Was great. It was. It was, the show really was, good. was super legit. Yeah, it was great. It was another one of those, like the same with Beetlejuice. Like you'd watch it and kind of go, I'm watching like an adult movie. Did you know? This is like grown up because this is about death and stuff, isn't it? Uh, and the cartoon was the same. It was a bit like, don't tell your mum and dad. Like this is this is between us, except uh, they were best friends in the cartoon series, yeah. which I always found really odd because like he wanted to marry her in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a strange relationship. They they just forgot. They just forgot. Uh, <laughs> there's a musical, which I was not aware of until today. Um, there was a cancelled sequel. Yeah, yeah. They cancelled it like three times. They were going to go to Hawaii, and uh, Beetlejuice was going to bring his friend called Jucifer with him. <laughs> Which maybe they should have made it. <laughs> I would still like to see that now. I think I want to see if Michael Keaton still got it. I think, he, yeah, why not? This is a tough one with legacy. I, I really, I've, I've got to be honest. I don't know. I think, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing that for me, it, it is about like establishing Tim Burton's style and Danny Elfman's and his partnership with Danny Elfman and what they then took forward into cinema. And like you said, it felt like he'd already decided exactly the type of thing he wanted to make. But this being like the starting point and also a surprising amount of people haven't seen Beetlejuice, but they kind of know what it is. But then they watch it and they don't realize, oh, it starts with the couple dying. And actually, I love that the concept for it is reversing horror movies. It's what if what if we tell the story of a horror movie from the point of view of the ghosts where it feels like they're being invaded? And, and I love that as, as an idea, like the idea of flipping concepts on, on their head. I feel like that is something that Beetlejuice takes forward as well in terms of like where movies went from then on, the idea of taking your traditional concept and being like, actually, let's look at it from this angle. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> you, thanks, Jack. Uh, so if we could just sort of do a deep fake where I said all of that, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, Beetlejuice gave us Batman as well. That's the, the isn't that amazing that the, the team that made Beetlejuice then went on and made Batman the following year. That's, oh, course, that's not yeah. Beetlejuice's cultural impact, though. I'm just, well, I'm just, I don't know. I'm do you sorry. think that? I kind of agree. I've got to be honest. Oh, well, the, 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 I've already won, though, isn't it? So. Like I have no idea, but. Tim Burton and Michael Keaton made Beetlejuice and then Tim Burton and Michael Keaton and Danny Elfman made Batman immediately after. So what what else would it have been if, if they didn't look at him and be like, you know what, you seem like the person to do like this gothic superhero, right? Okay, so in terms of cultural impact, I'm going to give... I am going to give three points to Heathers because I think it did influence an entire genre of teen movies and being at cult status... I think it's like one of those cool ones that I think a lot of people referenced without even knowing that they were referencing mm. it. We wouldn't have Riverdale. I'll just say that. Well, Imagine a world without Riverdale. That would be terrible. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what I'd do with myself. My world doesn't have they're Riverdale. They're going to war right? next season, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're going to World War II. I, I, was, I, I, was, care I was laughing less. so hard no, when I, I saw that. I went, oh, I thought it was set in modern day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give three points to Heathers. I'm going to give two points to Coming to America and one point to Beetlejuice for cultural impact. Right, okay, so the final points are 11 points for Coming to America, 
12 points for Heathers, and the winner with 13 points is Beetlejuice. Which means, Dean, you get to take home the uh, the screen test award. I'm going to pass it to you now through time and space. Oh, ow. Oh, God, Ooh. that really hurt. Ooh. Oh. That's nice. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Anyone thank you'd you. like to thank? Uh, I'd like to thank... Uh, you three for helping me with my arguments basically all the way through that. Um, it's, it's always, you know, it's valuable to remember the little people, you know what I mean? Literally. Uh, yeah. Um, I'd like to thank Michael Keaton. For his performance as that spider. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that was a great heads up. When he, when he picked up the FaceTime thing, he was doing that thing that old people do where they film the bottom of their chin. Right. And I was like, Michael, just, just give me one fact. He was like, do you know what tarantulas are? <laughs> yeah, of course I do, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Is he always <laughs> calling you? Is he always just on the phone, just trying to get He's your attention? He's doing it right now. Oh, tell him we're, we're filming a show. I'm filming a show. <laughs> no, you can't be in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what a tarantula is, Michael. <laughs> right, okay, so now we're going to play my favourite part. Dean, you can put the award down for this bit. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Nice. <laughs> we're going to play my favourite part of the show, which is called Unbox the Plot. Do improvise uh, a theme music for me. Unboxing the plot. I want everyone to do it. What will be inside the box? You gotta figure it out. You gotta get what's out the box. Surprise! (laughs) Unbox the box. Take it out the box. That was excellent. So here's what's gonna happen. In this box, I'm gonna show you a series of clues. And in front of you, you should have uh, a whiteboard. And I'm gonna tell in this box is my favorite comedy from the 80s. My just spoiler alert, my favorite movie ever is Back to the Future. And I don't think that just purely counts as an 80s comedy. So I didn't want to put that in the box. You know? I yeah, didn't that makes was, sense. I didn't think, I didn't think it was worth it. I want I to spend my head went, it's going to be back to the future. And yeah. then you just... Because <laughs> the thing is, I don't want to... If, we, if we're going to talk more about back to the future, I don't want to just do it quickly and unbox the plot. So the earlier that you guess, the more points you get. But ultimately, this is pointless because we already have a winner and it's Dean. But <laughs> just go along with it. So if you write down an answer earlier and then you change oh no our first clue is this cob's hat oh uh okay no i'm gonna hold off because i'm gonna not i think i know what it is but i'm gonna wait she's she's confident but not confident enough anybody uh, anybody gonna take a stab at it or we're gonna wait for the next clues uh, next clue. Yeah, right. next clue, please. I'll just keep this on, actually. I like, I like it. I like it. I like the sort of dark shadow it's creating on my... Makes like your head look cover. a lot taller than it is. I like <laughs> it. <laughs> it's got a long head. Right, okay. Here is the next clue. It's a license plate. says nervous. Anybody going to take a guess? Anyone going to write anything down? I'm torn between... Well... I'm scared. Don't be scared, Dean. <sighs> Now I'm really unsure. You should be scared of the image that I'm creating of myself right now, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're not waiting for me at the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. Here is the third clue. It's a very, very famous piece of art called A Sunday Afternoon on the Island of La Grande. It's rubbish. Oh, oh, I know what it is. Dean, you should get it from this. Oh my you should God, get it cheating again. Oh, you have mentioned this scene to me before. Okay, final clue, and this is this is going to give it away. So, my excellent performance. Here we go. Adams, Adam Lee, 
Adamkowski, Adamson, Adler, Anderson, Bueller, 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 Bueller. And that was my excellent performance. What do we think it is? <laughs> it's Wait, got, it got a bit spooky first? towards the end. Okay. <laughs> right. What, what, did, what, what, which one? Who guessed at the third point? Uh, the painting. I got the painting. You guessed yeah. at the painting? Dean, yeah. you also guessed at the painting? Yeah, Joe, where did slower. you guess? Last one. Last one. Okay. So reveal, guys. One, two, three. Oh, it's all backwards on my screen. What does it say? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I didn't know how to spell Bueller. Yeah, I messed up Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's B-U-E-L-L-E-R. Anyone get it right? I did it right. Hooray! My handwriting's bad, though. I wonder if anybody in the comments got it from the first Cubs. I was kind of... Did you think Ferris Bueller's Day Off from this? I was torn between that and I was trying to think if anyone in Caddyshack had that hat. Right, right, right. Well, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is absolutely one of my favourite films ever. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of The Screen Test, where we're talking about 80s comedies. Thank you to all of our guests. Congratulations to Dean for winning. Yeah, show off. Cheers. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you join us next time and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.